Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Very Terrible Podcast, now featuring theme music. Unbelievable how far we've come in such a short amount of time. Well, uh, the theme music today has been brought to us by a website called Pixabay. And uh, with Pixabay, it was a website that has royalty-free music. And I've got some other background effects because we're still learning on how to do this. So uh, today's Very Terrible Podcast will be a solo show. B Spike on the Mic isn't available for a show today. So we're going to do this on our own. And we're going to figure it out. And I thought I'd share with everybody today... uh, with it being the hiatus of sports really for us in our house is the off season for college football. College football is something that is just around our house. We make our schedule around it and uh, it's become something that as uh, B gets older, she's really getting into, I'm into it. And uh, you know, my wife just goes along for the ride. And uh, yeah, so I thought I'd share with everybody today uh, my story of USF football. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, he's he's talking about America's team. Yes, America's team, USF football. And uh, I've been watching online of all the you know the changes at USF and the changes in administration, and the changes in the athletic departments, and the coaching extensions, and these things that are happening. And I just wanted to, you know, you get on, you get angry, you get online, and you listen to these you know, Facebook commentaries and back and forth. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to make a podcast today. And I hope somehow this podcast makes it all the way up to coach Jeff Scott, all the way up to assistant athletic director, Michael Kelly, and anybody else who's in USF that has any idea or any power to make any change whatsoever, because I don't feel as a fan that my voice gets heard. And if this media is the only way to do it, then maybe somehow that while they're sitting in their offices, making decisions that they want to take a few minutes of their day and take a listen. But this is going to be just called How I Fell in Love and Out of Love with USF Football. And it's been a just a roller coaster ride, and I want to share it with you today. Just kind of go through the history of, of how I got there and, and why USF is compared to, you know, you live in Florida and the powerhouse football teams and the, uh, you know, the professional football machine that we just pump out. And although anybody who's, you know, worth their salt in the NFL has pretty much come out of the state of Florida, how did I end up? over at USF. So uh, when I came down to Florida, it was 1997-ish, and this is the first year that USF football even started. Nobody even heard of them. They have a great story on how they started in a mobile home behind the uh, practice fields on campus, and they were going to start a football team with uh, Coach Jim Levitt, and it started from the ground up, absolutely from the ground up, and they were playing in the old Sombrero, the old Buccaneer Stadium which is now the, I think it's the North parking lot of Raymond James. So uh, at this, uh, on this timeline from 1997 to uh, 2004, I was working in retail management. And it just by chance over, I think it was in Port Charlotte at the time. And in Port Charlotte, we had a bunch of our kids that were going to go off to college. And they went off to this place called the University of South Florida. And you didn't even hear of it. You just figured, oh, it's the school where you couldn't go. If you had to go, if you couldn't get into the big places like Miami, Florida, Florida State, you know, those, that's the other, that second tier down is kind of where you went. So all these, you know, kids that basically, you know, I consider them my kids because, you know, that's what they are, you know, age wise, they're that you're the age of your own kids. And you're, you know, they're, you're their boss at work and you've watched them grow up to have their first job and they're going to go off to college. And, uh, you know, they go off and they leave and they, they kind of keep in touch and they come back for spring break and they come back for holidays. And they said to me, Jason, you've got to see this place. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, you, I didn't even follow college sports. 
So I was purely NFL, NHL professionals, didn't think anything about college. And they said, no, no you've seriously got to check this place out. It's really cool. I thought, okay, why not? So at the time from Port Charlotte to the Tampa, you're looking at like an hour in traffic, no big deal. We hop up there and it enlightened me into what college life was because at the time I had no college education. I had no idea what college was about. All I knew is Hey, that's an institution you go to after high school, and I didn't do it at the time, so there we go, and it was, it was there. It was amazing. It was this little rinky-dink football team that just was showing up in, in big fashion, and they were just you know becoming on their own. They were playing in Raymond James Stadium, so they already tore down the sombrero at this point. They put up Raymond James, and they're in an NFL-caliber stadium, and it's not very full because there's just a bunch of college kids there. So you've got free will to go around an NFL stadium and have a just great time. And, you know, this is college life, right? So there are parties going on and alcohols are flowing and everybody's having a great time. And it is just nuts. Absolutely nuts. And I'm watching this football team in the inception of the, what became like the really premier good years. And these years are so good that these are the years they refer to now, today, when they're thinking about what the good old days were. So it was their rise to fame. And I couldn't even afford season tickets at the time. So every week or two weeks or three weeks, whenever I could get up there, I'd buy some football tickets and I'd go into the game and I would be able to, you know, grab a hotel room while I was up there. And we just had an absolute blast. And I had buy-in. And that was the biggest thing. That is the most valuable commodity that this team today does not understand is that you need buy-in to be successful. There is There was such buy-in back then that you believed in your heart that this team was going to be something. You believed in the school. You believed in the players. You just knew that this was going to be something great. So you were in for the ride. And so, you know, 2004 to 2008, some of the best years ever. The Matt Grothy beat Auburn number two in the nation years. That was the premier time under Coach Jim Levitt. So in 2009, I have a major career shift and change. I now make more money. I can afford season tickets. And by the luck of the draw and the sharpness of my tongue, I had convinced the guy at the ticket counter that I had been going to school there the entire time. And he just says, you're an alumni, right? And I said, absolutely. And I got alumni seats. So... I'm in the alumni section, which turns out to be just the opposite of the student section, which is in the end zone. So I'm in the south end zone and I'm in at what is considered at the time to be the away team's tunnel. So you start out in it, it's just, you know, the lower bowl that's and everything was always lower bowl back then, with the exception of the really, really good games. And they've got pictures of them where they were actually able to fill Raymond James Stadium. But you're in the lower bowl and you start out in the crappy corner and still had saw some really great games, met really great people, and just, it was a really great time. And then over the years, you buy your tickets, and then you put in a bid for better tickets, and you put in a bid for better ones after that. And then so over time, you make your way from the crappy tunnel all the way over to where I ended up, up until last year, at the USF Tunnel. So the roller coaster ride begins. And in 2004 to 2008, that these are the building block years. Jim Levitt's there, everything's going fine. And of course, as soon as I buy my season tickets, a wave of controversy comes across the team and the, the accusations against Coach Levitt and bullying the players and whatever else the accusations were at the time takes Jim Levitt out of the equation. And off we go into what would be known as the new coaching carousel at USF, where now we bring in Skip Holtz, son of Lou Holtz, 
right? So initially, hey, this is going to be fine. He's bringing old Lou over because Lou's got nothing else to do. He's retired. He comes on down to spend time with his son, Skip, and you see him on the campus. You've got Lou Holtz talking to the USF players and Skip Holtz, and you're buying into it. And we had a, and we had uh, the fan fest where you could go up, and I met Skip Holtz. Man, the guy in and of himself was very personable, very friendly, really nice. Uh, we're going up to the game. I actually got a speeding ticket on the way to FanFest that year to meet Skip Holtz. So I get pulled over and I get a traffic warning and it's on a slip of paper. And then so you're in line and the line is so long because Holtz is bringing the name with him. And it, they just tell us, you know, hey, you can only have one or two things for him to autograph. I said, you know what? I'm going to make this fun. I brought him the, the traffic warning. And so I give it to him and I said, hey, coach, thanks. Can you sign this? And I slide over this piece of paper and he looks at me like I just got some weird legal contract. And he like looks over his shoulder. He's like, what is this? I said, listen, I was really excited to get be here today. I got myself a speeding ticket and I think you should sign it. And he said, absolutely. Gets a fresh marker, signs it, had a great time. Just a very personable guy. And he brings out this new sense of, okay, maybe this is going to be different. And then he goes off in that year in his in his term, and he beats Florida State at home. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be fine. And then the wheels come off the bus. And then off we go back into another losing streak. And then Skip Holtz goes off to, I believe it was Louisiana Tech after that. And in comes this upstart young coach named Willie Taggart, who's friends with Coach Harbaugh, which makes sense because he's in that family line of football coaches. Everything's going to be okay. And Taggart lays an absolute turd in the beginning of his career. So the thing with Taggart was his overall record was only 24 and 25, but it came in huge clumps. All of the losses came in the beginning. The first two or three seasons, I think it was not the first season, maybe season and a half, because he was only there from 13 to 16. So the first season and a half, just terrible. I mean, it was just like you're sitting out there in the heat and the sun and you're just watching this team get their butts wiped up and down the field. When's this going to change? And all of a sudden the players started showing up and he got Quentin Flowers and he got Marlon Mack and he got Marquez Valdez Scantling and he had Augie Sanchez and he gets these big names, these big characters, and he made it personable. He made himself available to the fans. He made the players available to the fans. And I'm telling you now that is where the buy-in is made. You made yourself available to the fans. So, you know, we, we got on this once again, it's a roller coaster ride. We had a season where we went 11 and two, and it was just, you know, bowl games and all this other stuff. And it was like, oh, it's, it's going to be fine again. It's going to be fine again. The wheels fall off the bus. And all of a sudden, Taggart's going to go off and he's going to go take a bigger contract over to Florida State. More power to him. That's the way professional sports works, even at the college level. And off you go. He's, he's off to Florida State. And now we're going to sit back and go, OK, well, who's next? Unbeknownst to me, the next guy comes up, Charlie Strong. He just got done getting fired at Texas. I went, well, that's a big name, too. I remember him from Louisville. He was at Texas. Hell, he was at the Florida Gators even before all that. This is going to be fine. It's Charlie Strong. He's going to have strong recruiting. He's going to have, he has roots in the area. It's going to be fine. So, and you, you think to yourself, okay, this is going to be, here we go again, right? We're rebuilding again. We're always got this cycle about rebuilding. And I get it. I'm sure there's teams like that out there, but I just don't feel like Alabama, Auburn, hell, the entire SEC. I don't even feel like the SEC has rebuilding years. They're just always going all the time. So in comes Charlie Strong, and he's got some of the leftover players. Oh, this is going to be just fine. We've got Quentin Flowers. We've got Marcos Valdez-Scantling. We've got Augie Sanchez. Everything's going to be okay. And it wasn't. It was really, really bad. We just 
took those players and we ran them through the mud in their end of their careers. And due to illness and other issues, they just don't get to live up to their potential. And Charlie Strong, hands down, is the worst football coach to fans I've ever dealt with in my entire life. He was a miserable pile of crap. I mean, I had seats that were on the tunnel. On our Facebook page, I will put ticket. I will show pictures of where my seats were and and you know where we started, where we were at, and just some of the interesting things that I'm going to put in from this podcast today. I'll put pictures in on our Facebook page from the very terrible podcast. And I'm just telling you, Charlie Strong, hands down, hands down, worst coach. So we are four rows off the field on the USF tunnel. You cannot get closer. I mean, you can get three rows closer, but you're not, I can talk to the players. I can talk to the coaches. When the, when the flames hit from their little fire display they have when they run out of the tunnel, I felt heat. I got to hear the fireworks. I got to smell the smoke. I had the seats that were the best seats that took me 10 years to get. That's fine. This guy comes out and you know, one of he's got a miserable mug on his face cause he's always busy losing and he walks by the fans and yeah, some of the guys that I'm with at the time, they just yell out, Hey, Charlie, we've done it to every coach. You said, Hey, you know, skip, Hey, Willie, Hey, everybody. And they all wave. I don't give a crap if they don't talk to you. They'll stop and wave. Charlie strong. Never even took the time to stop and wave his muggy. Sorry. Ass more limps out of the tunnel. And Ellie's always limping all the time. He limps out of the tunnel with a grumpy ass look on his face to go out and lose another game on the field. And as a season ticket holder, that just doesn't cut it. It's just not okay. So we dealt with him between 17 and 19 and we got his ass out of there. And it's just, this is going to be a podcast where I'm going to get worked up because it's been too much of an emotional and financial investment for too many years to sit there and watch this happen over and over. So now we come into uh, tail end 19, 2020 rolls around. Of course, we got the pandemic, which just makes everything better. And we have Jeff Scott, who comes in the door with a pedigree from Clemson. Fine. Let's go rebuild again, because that's just what we do. How many times do I have to rebuild? How many presidents? How many athletic directors? How many head coaches? How many coordinators? I sat there and you just, you do this over and over and over. And how many times do you have to carry the weight of this team when you're financially and emotionally invested in this team? I'm telling you, I live two hours away. I am not close to the stadium. I am not close to this campus. When I go to these games and I buy season tickets, I bought a row of five seats at a time. I had an entire row on the field. We bought the tickets and we, we invested in ourselves. We bought hotel rooms. We would go early to tailgate. We would buy the merchandise. We would ri- just ride and die with this team. And every, every you know four or five years, you're just rebuilding over and over. How many times can you do it? So now we have Coach Jeff Scott. I believe in Coach Jeff Scott. I believe he will eventually get the tools he needs to be successful. I do not think as an organization we're making a lot of good choices right now. So we've got... Uh, the athletic director, Michael Kelly, who uh, up until this point has, you know, we have we have coaches, we don't have coaches. They're getting coaching extensions while they're losing. So men's basketball announced this week that they just gave their head coach a, a coaching extension with an absolute garbage record. So I have no idea what the front office is seeing up there, but they're just making their own decisions. So now we have coach Jeff Scott, who up to last year had his, which is going to be his long-term offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, right? So let's see if I have the names here. We've got on, we had Charlie Weiss Jr. on his offensive coordinator, Charlie Weiss Jr., whose father is Charlie Weiss, who was the coach of Notre Dame. We have pedigree at there. He goes on these, and at the time it was, what's the program? The uh, Skype uh, Skype style conferences, you know, for your season ticket holders, you got access to an online 
um, style meeting that you get to go to. And then, uh, so you get on there and this, the offensive coordinator comes on and he's talking a good game and I've got these plays and I've got all this stuff and I'm going to be here long-term. Cause that's the questions I asked. I got on the chat and I said, how long do you plan on staying here? I've seen too much. I know, I've know what happens too often and Oh, Nope. I'm here long-term. My family moves here. My kids go to school here. Everything's going to be fine. Same thing. Defensive coordinator, Glenn Spencer, God love him. He looked like a football coach. For some reason, the wheels just fell off the bus with him too. He's out now. This coming up this next year, brand new offensive coordinator, brand new defensive coordinator. So as a fan, I have to ask how many times, how many times do we do this? So it's just, it's been this roller coaster ride and I get it. Sports are exciting. It's the greatest thing you, you, get the thrills of being on the roller coaster ride. But to be a USF football fan, every big win has to be an upset. We don't get to go in and be favored ever. We're just always going to be the upset team. We've beat Miami. We've beat Florida State. We've beat UCF. Uh, you know, we, we've beat really big names and really big schools. Hell, we've beat Clemson in a bowl game before Clemson was what they are today. But we still beat Clemson. I could tell people about that. It's a fact. So, we. But every time we do it, it's never if... No, USF's going to handle business. It's, oh, I can't believe USF actually did that. And then you get into the thing. Raymond James Stadium is the premier football stadium. I don't care about campus stadium. I don't care about the idea of we're going to make it even easier for the students to get there. You gave them a free bus. It doesn't matter. You're using an NFL caliber stadium, and we never even fill it. It has been pathetic you on espn3 or whatever espnu or whatever bottom of the barrel espn channel we can find that the games are going to be on they put they pan out to the what crowd they can get and they have to put it in like a corner to where maybe it's the student section even the student section in the last two three years has been atrocious so you know you you try to make it look like there's fans there's no fans and it's balls hot outside you're talking you know 90 degrees because they always put the big game and they'll tell you, watch your schedule makers. They will put the big name, big games for smaller Florida schools on the hottest, nastiest weekend because they want to get people in the stadium. And that's the only way to do it. When it's 90 degrees outside and there's no wind, you're going to stand there and get a sunburn and sweat because you want to see Florida state and USF play football. And most of the people aren't there for South Florida. So this ongoing need for a stadium, I don't get it. Here's the thing with college stadiums. They've got bench seats. And I know it sounds petty, but my ass doesn't want to sit in a bench seat all day long, especially because they're hot. Raymond James Stadium has regular seats. Use regular seats, not a big deal. Bench seats, straight trash. So this thing with the, with the coaches. Here's something for you, athletic directors and everybody out there. Make your coach available to the fans. To Jeff Scott's credit... Coach Jeff Scott's credit, he is available to the fans. He has made himself available. He has gone out of his way, I believe, to be at events, to make this traveling tour that he's on right now, and to try to do the best he can, because I honestly believe he still has connections with Dabo's, Coach Dabo Sweeney, and he's in his ear, and he's giving him good advice. So, but this thing of, well, some coach is good, some coach is not so good. You know, we had Skip Holtz was not great on the field, but he was a, he was a pleasure to meet off the field. Coach Willie Taggart, excellent on the field, excellent off the field as far as personality goes. Coach Charlie Strong, bottom of the barrel. And now Coach Jeff Scott, uh, no personal interactions with him, but he always does make himself available. There's always events that you can get into. And granted, the events are tied to donations and season ticket purchases and just got to follow the money, but it's always there. 
So now we get into the uh, event called FanFest. So FanFest, which used to be held in Raymond James Stadium, was uh, on or around the time of the spring game. And it's your time as a fan to go in, one, walk around an NFL caliber stadium, two, go meet and greet the actual players. You know, it's that was to me was so really cool back in the day. We would go into Raymond James and you're walking through the tunnels and you're walk out on the field and you're touching the grass and people would bring footballs and you know catch the ball in the end zone because they can tell people that they caught a ball in the Raymond James Stadium end zone. But you just felt a connection. You had the buy-in. So you go to there and you go to the NFL stadium and you meet these players and they're they're kids. By God, they're just 18 to 22 year old kids that they're just real people and you build a connection, you build the buy-in. So, uh, you know, some of them, you know, you, you just, you're thanking them for signing balls and they're like, what are you thanking me for? You know, no big deal. But the fan fest at the time was just really a great event. And then it, it's, it just took this weird turn. And I don't know if it was a Raymond James thing or if it was a, uh, was a Yingling center deal right now, but it became less of its own standalone event. So the spring game moved away from the stadium at the time. It moved on to, I think it was a football or soccer field or something like that on the actual campus itself. And then FanFest was kept alongside of a street or put inside a basketball stadium. It didn't have the same feel. So, uh, well, uh, a good job on the correction side, though, is that this year it announced it's back at Raymond James Stadium. It is during the spring game, which I didn't really care for, but you know what? Beggars can't be choosers, so we'll take it as a step in the right direction. But same thing. FanFest was just something you just waited. It was that weird hiatus, right? Because that's where that's where we are right now. This is the time of year where you're equally away from college football as you are from getting back into it. And this is what you need. You need that little bit of recharge, a little bit of excitement. And they need you to come off your wallet and buy season tickets and buy some shirts and buy some hats. So, you know, FanFest to me was like the whole like, oh, now you're getting charged up for the for the uh, season. And now the you know, now it's hopefully going to come back around to what it used to be. The USF has dealt with this divisional problem for far, far too long. This thing, it was the, you know, it was the Big East and then the Big East went to the American Athletic Conference and they always toyed with the idea of, well, we're going to cherry pick. And they did it this past year. And you can see from college football is that bigger conferences will come in and cherry pick and they cherry pick who they want. And we missed a sweet spot. We were supposed to, I felt that we were supposed to go to the Big 12 a few years back and we didn't because there was this allegiance to the American Athletic Conference and their power six slogan, which absolutely drives me nuts. But thank God for Cincinnati because Cincinnati at least made a showing to make it a plausible argument that the the conference that we're in could keep up with the conferences that that the Big 12 and the uh, Pac-10 and even at that mediocre level that's not SEC Big 10 and all that, that that secondary level, but you're just not there yet. So thank you, Cincinnati, for at least trying to help it so we make it show up. But, um, you know, as a uh, to watch USF, once again, be left behind. UCF leaving. Uh there was a couple other teams that right now are slipping my mind, but they're leaving and they're just kind of leaving the American athletic conference crippled and in the dust. And it'll once again, Oh, let's just rebuild some more because that's just what we do. So as a family, we made a decision that this is going to be the first year since 2009 that we're not going to have season tickets. Uh, B's just getting older. I'm just getting older. And to be honest with you, a two hour drive to sit in the sun to watch mediocre football with new coaches every year just isn't cutting it. 
So as a matter of investment and investments with money and investments in life, we made some different decisions and we're going to go see other games. Now, are we going to go back to Raymond James and watch football with USF? Absolutely. Are we still USF fans? Absolutely. Because she brought it up the other day. B says to me, she goes, well, you're not even a USF fan anymore. I can assure you I am. However, at what point do you, does the heartbreak need to stop? Does the bleeding need to stop to say, okay, we need to hit a ground level again where we can still rebuild. If you look around my office, which is slash recording studio slash sitting room, because this is the budget we have here at the Very Terrible Podcast, I've got a USF jersey hanging on the wall. I have an actual bowl ring that you know made its way through a series of pawn shops, I'm sure, that ended up in my house. Um, just you know, collector collector's items from all those years past that are just very valuable to me. But at the same time, it, you only live so long. I, I want to go out. I want to see big stadiums. I want to travel the country. I want to see, and I'll, hell, I'll even follow USF to an away game. But to continue this path right now just doesn't make sense. And if it does make sense to some of the other, other of you out there that are listening, I would love to hear about it. Get on Facebook. Find me at The Very Terrible Podcast. Go ahead. Send me an email. jdvtpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have Instagram. We have TikTok. Just, I don't care. Find me and tell me about it. Maybe you live in Tampa. Maybe it's a very short drive for you. Maybe you have family that went there. I don't know. But at this point, at my money needs to be well spent, and it'll be well spent traveling around and having a college football experience just outside of that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, go ahead, USF, build your stadium. But if you put bench seats in it, I'm out. I just, it's not happening. You, I'm, I sat and spent way too much money to sit on bench seats. So, in, you know, in conclusion, though, USF will always be my number one team. They will always there's always room on the bandwagon for USF. So if you want to learn about more and join in, you can actually, you know, come on board with us. We'd love to see more people in the stands. And I needed to just get I from going over and making my way over to the other side of the stadium in those 10 years. I followed the same group of people. And over those years, I met some really great friends along the way that I still keep in contact with. But there's still some, there's just like these families that are just crap bags and they're just, they follow you all the way across too. And I needed a new, a, a new atmosphere just to get the taste out of my mouth from everything that we've been dealing with over the, the past few years. Because I guess I got to feel it like this. It's everything in moderation. We'll do a little USF. We're going to do a little bit of, you know, you can watch some of the USF games on TV. If I'm saving myself four hours of driving on a Saturday, two hours up, two hours back, that's a great deal too. But it's it's this is going to be the direction that we're going in. I hope someone in the athletic department ever can hear this podcast. I hope they can know that it breaks my heart to have to do that. I've been investing in this team with my money and my time and my family for since 2009. We're just we're just tired of the decisions that are getting made as an organization, as a school, you're not giving us the direction. Sure. You send me a fun little shoe box with gifts in it that nobody wants. Listen, I don't need a silver coin. I don't need a fake ticket to celebrate 25 years of silver anniversary. When the end, when the season was a two and 13 crap season, I don't need all the gizmos and gadgets. I can buy those on my own. What I need is buy-in. I need buy-in from an emotional level as a fan and a, just as a person to sit there and say, yeah, these kids care. These coaches care because right now I can't honestly tell you that that's the case. So that's it. That's our show. As far as today is concerned, uh, 
Yeah, it's 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 been an emotional roller coaster, but it's been something that I thought, hey, that'd be a fun solo show. It's been on my mind, and it's you know mid mid terms of uh, football off season. Everybody's starting to talk about it. I'll throw the podcast out in a couple different places, see if somebody picks it up from whoever has any authority and decision-making ability over there at the old University of South Florida. But uh, otherwise than that, uh, B Spike on the mic will be back. Uh, Let's see, she should be back on the next show. And uh, yeah, we've got a great wrap-up. Spring break wrap-up is going to be coming with B Spike on the mic. Uh, some uh, summertime uh, future plans are coming up and uh, otherwise than that we thank you so much for spending time with us today Uh, sitting at about a half an hour it's time for you to go back to whatever else you were doing but uh, we will be back very very soon Uh, I'm Jason and we'll have B Spike on the bike back next time this has been the Very Terrible Podcast